being able to drink a bottle of water when he was preaching. And I realized one time, oh, he gets us to look to a Bible verse, he grabs his water, and then he drinks. Um, so I need help from you for one moment, if you don't mind. Uh, the light is off in the baptistry, and darkness is bothering me. So if you don't mind, unless it was off for a reason. Um, uh, and then uh, Matthew, serious, I need you to help me real quick. Come on up here. Yep, 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 run. Run, run, run like a boy can do. I need you to run this to Brother Scarpetti very quickly. Give it to him, and I'll tell everybody why. So Friday I was at Brother Scarpetti's house, and uh, my sons were working there and some of the guys. And as I was walking through, Brother Mike, I saw a nickel on the floor. And uh, I picked it up, and I was thinking I'm going to put it on the table, but there wasn't. And, and as I was doing that, something caught my attention. I put the nickel in my pocket. I didn't know it. I got home on Friday night, and I was cleaning out my pockets, and I said, this isn't my nickel. That's, that really should be a strong illustration of what God does. That wasn't my nickel. It was his nickel. So, brother, you got your nickel back. So now I'm okay. Everything's good here, you know. So, uh, but you know, it was, it was really cool when I'm thinking, I'm going to speak to you tonight out of Second Chronicles. Stay there for a minute. Uh, but about uh, 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 facing the insurmountable. And what do we sing? Lord, I need you. I love it. So I, I need to ask you, may I tell you one little story that's true in most measures? Um, well, I guess I can because I'm going to. So I'm trying to decide if I have a cruise of oil, a barrel of meal, or a magic closet. Yes, magic closet where you hang your clothes. Because what's been going on lately, I think I've told some of you, I went in to get my suit out one day, or a suit out of my closet, and I found $6 in my pocket. I was like, wow, this is cool. This is enough to buy Sundays at uh, uh, Carvella on a Wednesday night. And then a week later, I went and got another suit out, and I found $11 in my pocket. And I'm like, this is really pretty good. I was like, now i got 17 bucks here, you know? So Wednesday night, I go in and I get another suit out, and I find $26 in my pocket. And I'm thinking, now I'm like, okay, so this is, this is really getting good because I'm thinking if this is going to keep happening and multiplying like that, Joanne, our retirement's in good shape. <laughs> but then I started thinking, is my wife messing with me and putting money in my pocket or what? But, you know, so if you can tell me later what that could be, uh, just let me know. Uh, Brother Yankowski, don't you tell me what it is if you're in here, you know. Um, but uh, that was a uh, true story. The first parts, I don't think I have a magic closet. Uh, I think... I should check my pockets, I guess, more often or something, you know. But uh, I just was, it, you know, isn't it exciting when you all of a sudden you do something like that and you find a dollar in your pocket or something along that line? So anyway, uh, open your Bibles to Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20. Let's stand together. Second Chronicles chapter 20. We'll read two verses, or I'll read two verses to you, um, and then uh, we'll pray. Chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, uh, and with them other beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Uh, Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria, and behold, uh, they be in. Now here, I practiced this with Alexander Scorby multiple times today, and I can't remember this word. But it looks to be like Heza Zan Tamara or something. 
and I really did, but that's okay, uh, which is in Getty. So let's pray. My Father, without you, we can do nothing. Uh, and Holy Spirit of God, I pray you take the simple little thoughts that you gave me, you'd stir our heart, you'd challenge us in these areas of uh, facing the insurmountable, uh, and Lord, help us to uh, give us clarity of thought and speech tonight, I'd ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Facing the insurmountable. Uh, really what I see here and what I want to give you is what I'm calling a formula for facing the insurmountable. I don't know what the insurmountable may be in your life. Um, at different stages of our lives, we may have something that seems insurmountable where somebody else would go, oh, that's a silly little thing that you have to deal with. But for that person, it is. It's their insurmountable problem or it's their insurmountable dilemma. It's that thing that's, that to them is so big, I don't ever think I'll get past this. And, and as we go along in life, maybe somebody would look at it um, and think, wow, how does that person do this? We, uh, uh, Brother Mike said, uh, mentioned about Pastor Bish. And you think back about the 10 years of things that have been going on in his life with the pneumonia and the cancer and the losing of his leg and, and then for Trina and all of that and the losing of his wife and uh, all of these things going on and listening to his testimonies. He's still talking about how God is good. God is good. And you might say, well, how can, how can somebody face that? Well, that to your little your insurmountable problem can be as large as his insurmountable problems. We still need uh, God in those areas. Uh, so don't let anyone discount the problem that you're going through, the struggle that you're having, uh, because it may just be that it's insurmountable for you. But you know what's interesting here is I don't think it's inter- insurmountable uh, for our Lord. So I want to, I want to give you a formula or a, a formula that I see that I uh, learned recently or have, uh, seemed to make sense to me as the Lord was uh, showing me these things. But uh, look with me, if you would, at what happened here in verse 3. So Jehoshaphat, uh, sorry, Jehoshaphat is got news that this army is coming up against him, and he recognizes right away, we don't have the strength to battle them. If they come up against us, we're going to lose this war. They're, they're going to outnumber us. There's all these people have gathered together. And here, the first thing I want you to see is it says, and Jehoshaphat feared. Jehoshaphat feared. And what I say, the first step in our formula is that you need to anticipate and address the fear. When your insurmountable problem all of a sudden comes up and you get that news that comes across and it's a a financial uh, setback that you've just been told about, or it's your job and you've been just told you no longer have a job, or maybe it's the health of someone in your family and someone close and, and those you love, or maybe it's even yourself, you've got to anticipate and address that fear is going to come. Uh, turn over quick, if you can, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Part of what happens, and I, I don't know how um, oftentimes the unsaved uh, can face some of the things that they face. Uh, we have to remember that we have an avenue and we have tools and we have things that um, are resources for us in these battles, and look at uh, uh, verses 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. There's, there's no way for a Christian to battle the insurmountable when fear comes without having the word of God. 
the scripture tells us, thy word have I hid in my heart that it might not sin against thee. But you know what the word of God does also is it gives us ammunition. It gives the Holy Spirit ammunition to use in our lives when we're having the difficult times. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. And the sword of the spirit is both an offensive and a defensive weapon. I thought of, you know, people when you see them fencing and doing that and the use of a sword. And that's what we need. We need at times offensive and we need defensive weapons uh, in our arsenal. So that's the priority, and that's why the, the Word of God and being in the Word of God and sticking with the Word of God and knowing the Word of God is so very important. Um, little progress can be made when we fail to bring forth spiritual weapons for spiritual battles. Uh, when we try and fight these spiritual battles, because fear, fear does bring with it physical uh, characteristics, but it's not physical. It's a spiritual battle. Second uh, Timothy 2.14 says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear. Well, if you don't know the word of God, then you don't know that. And fear, when the insurmountable faces you, that fear can all of a sudden become an overwhelming and a and debilitating problem. Uh, you have to anticipate and expect the fear. Psalm 34.4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 56.3 says, What time I am afraid... I will trust in thee. Uh, I, I've told the story before. You know, what happens is uh, you've had opportunities to speak at so many different times, and the illustrations become the same over and over unless you go to a book and take someone else's illustrations, which never makes sense to me because I'd rather tell you what God's done. I'm not a big fan of flying, and uh, sometimes I love it, and sometimes I can't stand the thought of getting in an airplane. Uh, but while we were going to California that time, and uh, I memorized scripture verses because I was being troubled about flying. And every time the pilot said turbulence, I said, no, Lord, I said, what time I am afraid, I'm going to trust thee. This pilot doesn't know that you control the turbulence and you control the atmosphere and you control all those things. And every time he said turbulence was coming, it just was smooth. Sailing, I loved it so much. But you have to anticipate uh, the fear. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Without having some background in the Word of God and running to the Word of God, when this takes place, that your that fear comes because the the insurmountable uh, dilemma is in front of you. You don't want to get stuck there. The second thing that I see here uh, is that we have to seek the Lord. It says, and Jehoshaphat feared in verse three and set himself. To seek the Lord. See, I don't have it down yet like Pastor Peslak did. But Psalm 105.4 says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seeking the Lord requires time and effort. Deuteronomy 4.29, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul... The problem is, oftentimes, we think that God is going to be found when we're laying on the couch with the remote or we're watching the game, or we're involved in our favorite pastime. No, God is found when the wicked forsakes his way. God is found uh, when the evil practice or the vice or that, that sinful way about us is put to the side. Do you have a, a behavior that's contrary to the moral laws of God? Then what we have to do is we have to be careful. Seeking the Lord takes some effort and it takes some time. And we have to look in and we have to examine ourselves and we have to pursue after him. I think there's a, or there may have been, it, it may still be there, there was a, uh, a book in the bookstore, the, uh, the Pursuit of God. And you think, well, we're saved. Don't we just have, no. God wants us to follow after him. He wants us to look for him. He wants us to, he wants to be examining ourselves. He wants it, he wants it when you find a nickel in your pocket that you go, oh my word, I took someone's nickel. You know, 
even in those little tiny details. Um, God is found when the wicked forsake their way. Uh, he's found when unrighteous thoughts are forsaken. And we say, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. When we cry from within, try me and know my thoughts. He's found when our thoughts are not thoughts of iniquity. But here the scripture says, but when we commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Proverbs 16, 3. We have to have somewhere when fear is going to come, when you hear that bad news, when you see all of a sudden that insurmountable thing is in front of you, fear is going to happen, but you don't have to stay there. You can turn immediately and start seeking God. Anticipate and address the fear. Seek the Lord. The third thing I see in verse 3 uh, here is what did he do? Uh, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord, and then he proclaimed a fast. He proclaimed the fast throughout all Judah. Turn over one book, if you would, to the book of Ezra and look with me at chapter 8. Ezra chapter 8, verses 21 through 23. Ezra chapter 8, 21 to 23. I want you to see here four purposes for fasting, and one of them, I want you to see all four of them, but one of them uh, we'll look at a little bit more. It says, Then I proclaimed the fast there at the river Ahava, uh, that we might afflict ourselves before God. Now watch this. What? To seek of him a right way for us, to seek a right way, for our little ones, uh, and for our substance. Those were the first three. To seek a right way for us, to seek a right way for our children, to seek a right use of our possessions. And look over here, it says in uh, verse 22, For I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way. Because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all them that forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us. You can go back to Chronicles there. This one here, I looked at it and I thought, you know what? Yes, we need to fast when we're looking for a way for us and to seek a right way for our children or to seek a right use of our possessions. But here, I, we looked at this in our Sunday school class a few weeks back. When you're placing your faith in God's ability to work on your behalf, what they had done there is, as I said, we had bragged on God about what he was able to do and how he was able to protect us, how he was able to care for us. And they said, we better put some feet to our words now. And, and when you're looking to see, you, when you're placing your faith in God's ability to take care, for, to, to take care of you, fasting may be a very important part of that. The fear comes, and, uh, and we have to run to the Word of God, and we put all those things aside, but maybe it's time to, to set a fast over. When we're facing the insurmountable, we need God to do what only God can do. How many times have we seen that time and time again? And, and you know what? Seeing God work through the insurmountable things in our life when they're little gives us great faith when they get bigger and bigger and bigger. All of those different avenues. When we have to, when we have to rely on God for the, uh, the escape or for the deliverance or the ability to carry through this thing that seems to us to be insurmountable, uh, fasting is going to be a big part of that. Um, look over at number, uh, excuse me, at verse uh, four again. It says here uh, that we, uh, excuse me, and Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. How about if when we when we find that insurmountable coming, 
uh, and the fear comes, we anticipate it and we deal with the fear. Uh, we seek the Lord. We put aside some things, those sins and the weights which doth so easily beset us, and we seek after him. We set about to fast and we uh, look at the purposes we hear, see here in Ezra and set our mind and our heart and our, uh, our focus on that. But how about if, number four, is we gather others to our cause? It says here that he gathered themselves together. Turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter uh, 6 and verse 35. It says here, they were praying, and he's recounting to God, then hear thou, uh, then hear thou from the heavens their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. Oftentimes what happens is when we, there are times where I have something going on, and I honestly I don't tell anybody, because I want to see the mighty hand of God work. And I want to know that God was doing a work and I was able to communicate with him. And I know he knows my needs and I know he knows that. There are other times that I do get others together and say, listen, would you pray over this? Would you, uh, would you bring this before the Lord for me? Uh, then thou, uh, then hear thou from the heavens their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. There's times that you need to do that. You need to pull some people together when you're facing your insurmountable. Uh, and you, you'll find that there's some that you say, you know what? I can trust this person. I'm going to call them. I can trust this person. I'm going to call them. Uh, prayerfully and hopefully you say, you know what? I can call the deacons. I can call the pastor. I can call those around me who care for me. Look at Second uh, Chronicles chapter uh, 6 and verse 39. It says, Then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications, and maintain their cause, and forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. You see that I like that plurality of people who are getting together, and what are they doing? They're, they're crying out to God, and they're asking God. And we see here in this formula that Jehosh- uh, uh, Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. And sometimes our insurmountable needs the encouragement of others around us. It needs somebody else to come alongside us. And, and you know, we say, yes, uh, I, the Lord can take care of this, but sometimes it's nice when there's another person walking alongside you and encouraging you. And uh, it's that, you know, it's that tangible touch on the shoulder uh, that you know somebody cares about you. Um, in uh, Nehemiah 4.9, it says, Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God. In Acts 1.4, it says, These all continued with of one accord in prayer and supplication. In First Thessalonians 1-2, making mention of you in our prayers. I see all of these, all of these areas. What are they? There are multiple people praying over that. You need at times to gather people to your side and have them pray for you, for you and with you when you're facing what appears to be the insurmountable, uh, dilemma in front of you. Uh, look back here at verses, uh, six through nine with me. The next thing we say we need to do, number five, is build your case on God's ability. I love reading. I'm not sure what king it was, but do you remember the king who got the, the, the letter, and he took the letter, and he laid it out before the Lord, and he said, look, you have to deal with this. I can't deal with it. Uh, that was a terrible paraphrase, but you get the, you get the understanding here. Uh, verses 6 through 9. Um, Jehoshaphat stood, verse 5, in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, 
I love this stuff. Art not thou God in heaven? What's too hard for God? Remember, I, I told you that time Pastor Brown said to me, Jim, do you think anything about you takes God by surprise? And I told him, well, of course I did until you said that, you know. Uh, but is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything that, that we're going to come up against that God doesn't already know, that it didn't already pass across his desk and he's, he's already approved it and he's going to strengthen us, he's going to carry us through? He's not going to walk away. He didn't, he didn't set that, that thing in front of you, what appears to be an insurmountable object, to devastate. You know, he set it there to grow you and grow your faith in what he is able to do. Um, are thou not God in heaven, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gave, us to thy, uh, gave it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy uh, name, saying, If when evil come upon us as a sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for in thy name is this house and cry unto uh, thee in our affliction, then thou wilt help or hear and help. You've got to build your case for God's help on his ability, on his promises, on what he's able to do. And there's no problem when you go to God. Listen, I love it when I say, Lord, I know that you're not a respecter of persons. I know that you took care of Ezra and you can take care of me. I know that, that I'm having a difficult problem right now. You know it's what's going on with our business right now? Nothing. Nothing. But you know what? Nervousness and fear every now and then tries to uh, well itself up. And you know what I do? I go back over 30-something years of watching God take care of us, and I say, I'm just waiting. Just waiting on you. The phone will ring when you want the phone to ring. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to watch for you. And what? It's on, why? It's God's ability. It's not ours. We build our case to God on his capability and his ability to take care of every one of these problems. I love to see that. Uh, look over here now at verse uh, 16. The next one, we not only build our case on God's ability, we move forward only at God's direction. Sometimes what we have to do is we just have to patiently wait. Just keep waiting. You think, no, no, I have to solve this problem. No, you don't. No, you don't. You have to find God's way to address and stay in front of this insurmountable object, and he'll show you how to get over it. He'll show you how to go around it. He'll show you what to uh, do in this area. In verse 16, uh, it says, God starts now telling the children of uh, Judah what they're going to do. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Biz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of... I didn't practice this one either. Jeriel. And verse 20. Uh, verse 20, it says, And they rose up early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said... Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Not only do we build our case on God's ability, but when we're doing all these things, we're trying to address the fear, and we're, we're addressing the fear scripturally. When we're, we're gathering others around us, when we're fasting, when we're doing all these things, when we're seeking the Lord, um, when we're, we're uh, uh, building our case on God's ability, then when God gives us instructions, and only when he gives us instruction, do we move forward. 
That's what they did here. They got the instruction from God. But you know, sometimes what we have to do is not only do we have to uh, move forward with when God tells us to move forward, but we have to follow his directions also. Because if he gives us directions on how we're going to handle this problem, how we're going to handle this insurmountable object, and we thank him for that, and then we the next morning, what would happen if the, if the children of Judah that day just decided not to move forward? They had God's directions. They had God's instructions. They knew what they were supposed to do, but they just stayed home and camped. It's not going to work. And then if it's not God's problem that it didn't work, it's because we didn't do what he had said. So we not only do we move forward at God's directions, but we follow God's directions. I love to see those stories like that. I want you to see one more uh, item here. I don't know. Are all of those things listed up there? Well, that's pretty good. All right. So we anticipate and address the fear. Um, We seek the Lord. We set about to fast. We gather others to our cause. We build the case for uh, uh, what we need done on God's ability, not on our ability and, and the past performance. And that's what I said. Why am I trusting God so much in that area with the business? Too many times, too many times. I mean, I can remember praying and saying, God, I need jobs in this town. And the phone rings, and all of a sudden we're working in that town for two, three years. Uh, you know, so I love it. Build your case on God's ability. Move forward at God's direction, but follow the directions that God has given you. And then the last thing here I want you to see is that what happens as you find you, that you've meandered and you've worked your way through that what appeared to be an insurmountable object. And uh, can you imagine the rejoicing in the children of Judah now when they go and they had no battle? They didn't have to do anything in this. They just went and they're singing and they're praising God and God takes care of it and the people who are coming to battle against them, what do they do? They turn one against another and they kill each other. But there's a problem and we have to be on guard against areas of compromise that come following victory. You have a victory like that, anticipate that uh, an area is going to come along and you're going to be offered an opportunity to compromise. Turn over to um, uh, chapter 20 and verse um, 35. It says here, and after this did Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, join himself with uh, Ahaziah, king of Israel, who did very wickedly. All that victory that was just there, all of those things that the children of Israel saw, and when compromise came along, Jehoshaphat went along with it. That's the area we have to be careful of. In, in our formula, uh, that we've got tonight. In that formula, you've got to be ready and don't let your guard down. You've got to be ready. Because you know what happens oftentimes? Doesn't Scripture tell us that the uh, that Satan appears as an angel of light? We think that, wow, what a good idea when that person came along. No, it may not be such a good idea. You've got to take the long look at things. You've got to look down the road. So you've got to be ready for that area of compromise to come. And look, at it's just like anticipating the fear anticipate that some offer of compromise is going to come. It's going to seem like a good idea. You're going to go off down that path and you're going to find, ah, it didn't work out. What happened here? He joined himself with him to make ships to go to Tarshish and they made the ships in Izon Geber. Then Eleazar, the son of, oh my word. How about because thou hast joined thyself with Ahaziah, the Lord hath broken thy works. And the ships were broken that they were not able to go to Tarshish. Look at, we see the victory, God takes us through that insurmountable object, and then the offer of compromise comes. We've got to be careful. Back up from that offer of compromise and say, no, 
I think I'll just stay right here and wait for God's instructions. That's it. Let's pray. My Father, I do pray that you would take some simple little thoughts, a simple little formula uh, that we might apply to our lives uh, because every one of us is going to have those days where life seems to be insurmountable. The problems seem insurmountable. I'm thankful that you are bigger than any problem we can ever face. But, Lord, I do have to walk through them. And I have flesh that tries to rear its ugly head over and over again. And, Lord, when we, when we have these formulas in place, when we have principles in action, that we can say, Lord, here's how we're going to handle this. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to look to you. I'm going to run to you like a child to their father. I'm going to throw my arms around you. I'm going to, uh, figuratively, I'm going to be looking uh, for in every avenue for you. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to uh, walk these paths and come out the other side, not ready to compromise, but ready to be uh, careful, watching for those areas to come that you might be glorified and we might uh, see our faith increased in the work that you're doing. Uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd guide, direct, and teach us to do your will. We'd ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.